Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Diverse. I'm Seabright McCabe, contributing writer for SWE Magazine. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at SWE Diverse Podcast. I'm happy to be joined today by Yamale Toussaint Beach and Robin Pease. Each founded her own nonprofit. Both used the arts to inspire kids' interest in STEM. And between them, they're touching the lives of countless children in underserved communities. Yamale is the founder and CEO of STEM from Dance, a nonprofit that teaches girls STEM subjects by incorporating dance and performance. She has a BS in mechanical engineering from MIT and a master's in teaching from Pace University. Yamale is a recipient of Teach for America's Social Innovation Award, AnitaB.org's Educational Innovation Award, and she's been named one of Brooklyn Magazine's 50 Most Fascinating People. She's currently a high school algebra teacher in Brooklyn, New York, and is featured in SWE Magazine's winter issue cover story on STEM and dance. You can check that out at SWE.org. Robin Pease is the founder and artistic director of Culture Kids. She and her staff use multicultural storytelling and all the visual and performing arts to teach kids everything from math and the sciences to history, social studies, and even growing a community garden. Robin has a BFA and MFA in theater from Berkeley Boston Conservatory and Case Western Reserve University. As a performer and teacher, she has presented at the Kennedy Center, the Initiative for Cultural Arts in Education, and the Carney Sando Diversity Conference, and that's just a few of them. One of her productions at a Cleveland elementary school received a commendation from President Barack Obama in 2013. Welcome, Yamale and Robin. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to be here. It's a pleasure to introduce two native New Yorkers, I must say. <laughs> We're here to talk today about including arts in STEM education as a way to inspire young people, particularly girls of color, to get interested in STEM, putting the A in STEAM, so to speak. And that's because right now, women make up 28% of science and engineering workforce. Of that 28%, only about 5% are women of color. So Yamale, please tell us about your beginnings as a student of engineering, and your path to creating STEM from dance. Sure. I'd start my journey when I was a little girl. I was really inspired by my father, who was a mechanical engineer. That's how I first learned about engineering and became fascinated by it. I was, I got to see my father at work. I would go to bring your daughter to work day and 
got to see his office and see, you know, 3D drawings across his desk and and really get to understand what life was like as an engineer. And, you know, I also uh, had a huge passion for dance. I was really, you know, obsessed with dance. I was dancing constantly, six days a week, was at the studio, and ultimately decided to pursue that engineering side of things, but was constantly dancing still in college. Like, as you mentioned, I went to MIT for mechanical engineering, and I was fascinated by all the things I was learning and the way I was growing and having access to these opportunities. And at the same time, I would you know, look around the room and see that oftentimes in my mechanical engineering classes, I would be the only Black woman or one of a few. And that surprised me. I, it's, what was surprising was that I grew up always thinking I could be an engineer. I didn't know that, you know, women were underrepresented and, and all these barriers that existed. I just, you know, grew up being interested in it and pursued it and was shocked to learn about the reality that, you know, like the statistics that you shared and, and just the ways that it has been challenging for women of color to enter into the field. And I just wondered if there's something I could do about that. So that's what led me to become a teacher and really see how much we have to shift the mindsets of our young people when it comes to STEM. We have to have them see STEM as something that they can belong in and be passionate about and be interested in. So that's what led me to think about dance, thinking about the way that dance is joyful, it's fun, it's expressive, it's creative. And I created STEM from dance to be able to make a space where Girls can be expressive and creative with STEM while experiencing the joy of learning, the joy of dance, the joy of creation. And that's been the journey I've been on for the past decade. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about your residencies. You do eight-week residency in schools. And what kind of subjects do you touch with the dancing and STEM? Sure. Yes, we do residencies in schools. We have a summer program. We support our alumni. Essentially, the experience that we've created is one where girls get to create dance performances that incorporate technology in some kind of way. So imagine costumes that light up every time they jump and they get to learn about circuitry and electricity and programming. They get to perform and create something with a group of their peers. And that's just one example. There's other ways that we're combining STEM and dance together. And then they get to make these performances, meet people who are in STEM professions, go to STEM companies and learn what life is like in the career. And, and so we're doing that through these programs in schools over the summer really just giving them these opportunities to become immersed in this experience. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. So I want to touch on your four pillars that sort of hold up STEM from dance. Can you tell us how they developed? Yes. I mean, over the years, I have found that, you know, people wonder about this integration between dance and STEM. Like, what does dance have to do with STEM? 
And for me, it's such a lived experience. What I have learned to do is help others understand the power of using dance to diversify the STEM workforce. And so really the four things I've distilled it down to, one is confidence. We know that being underrepresented in a field that is rigorous and challenging means that you have to have a sense of confidence that says, even though this is hard, I still can do this. I can persevere. I can overcome these challenges. I could do hard things. And that, and we also know that dance is this breeding ground for confidence. When you try a move and you, you don't get it and you try it again and you keep trying it, eventually you get it. There's this opportunity to keep building that resolve and that persistence. So confidence is, is so important. Secondly, culture. It is special when you can show up as your full self, when you can see a reflection of who you are, your culture, what you're familiar with in spaces where you may not see that representation. So, you know, I know for me and my family, when we have parties, we dance, right? That's how mm. we, we celebrate and how we express and how we communicate. We want our girls to see that they can be their full selves. They can dance to the music they want to and have fun and laugh and, and, <laughs> and have joy in the space where they're learning about coding and engineering, right? Third is community. We know that girls thrive and really all of us thrive when we can do you know hard things alongside other people. So we're surrounding them with adults who encourage them with peers who are like-minded and, and who will cheer them on. So really surrounding them with the support, the social capital that they need to be able to, you know, really not just exist in the field, but thrive in it. And then that fourth piece is creativity. We want them to dream and ideate and really imagine a world where these two things can come together. And so they get to get that blank slate and say, what ideas do you have? And we teach, we give them the knowledge and that foundation that they need. And then they get to say, you know what? I want to make a costume that does this. I want to make this stage element that does that. And there's something about being in that creative space that really opens up their sense of possibility and agency and really gets them to think about what they want to create, who they want to be, and what they want to do in their future. So that's, you know, what I've sort of found to be some of the benefits of combining dance with STEM. Robin, this must sound very familiar. It is well, very, very much what you do. Well, it is. And it's so funny that she said that your dad was an engineer because my dad <laughs> also worked in engineering. He worked in CAD, you know, computer-aided design before there were computers. So he used to do everything by hand. Wow. And his handwriting, you know, when he would draw gears and all sorts of things, it was like so cool. But, and he could make anything. I remember one time for a project in like fifth grade, he and I made a Roman helmet out of paper, cardboard, and silver foil, you know, tin foil. But of course, you know, so, so he was in the arts and technology, he was in the arts, but for me, I thought it was too hard being a woman of color, you know, science and math were not my favorites. I didn't like it. I found it to be boring. I prefer literature and, you know, culture and all of that sort of thing. So I never went into any sort of science and I never thought that I would. In fact, when I was in high school, I took as many science classes 
my freshman and sophomore year. So the junior and senior year, I didn't have to take anything. <laughs> I didn't want to take it. And then I went to college and I went to a performing arts college and I didn't have to take any math or science. So it was so far away from me. You know, I was an actor. That's what I did. However, when I decided to start this organization, um, a second grade teacher by the name of Mrs. Dooner, I knew her son. He was also a teacher. He was my daughter's first grade teacher. And I don't know, for some reason, she knew I was doing the arts. She knew I just started this arts and culture organization. And she asked me to create a program that taught core academic curriculum standards, but use art. And so she said, you know, here, look at these standards from the Ohio Department of Education and come up with a program for me. And I thought, are you crazy? I can't do that. That's science and math. I don't do science and math. I only do history, literature, you know, but she was insistent that I could do it. And so she was really interested in STEM and she wanted to integrate the arts into the academic curriculum. But then at that time, it's like, mm, I can't do STEM, but I can do STEAM, science, engineering, uh, science, technology, engineering, arts and math, integrate the arts into the academic curriculum. And so she told me I could do it. And she said that arts integration is kind of like a milkshake. You add all the ingredients into the blender and you mix it up. And since girls, especially girls, but boys too, learn in different ways, some learn by reading, some by discussion, some memorizing. But if you add the arts, the girls remember what they learn because it becomes a part of them as they sing about it or make costumes about it or visual art or write a poem about it or perform to show off what they learned to their families and communities. This way, they learn not only about the science and the math, but the art form as well. It's a milkshake all mixed together. And the most important thing is it's fun. It's community. Girls like doing things with theater, dance, and music, and costumes, and visual art. So now, when they think about art, they think about science too, because they're integrated together. And participating in the arts encourages personal, social, academic, and artistic development. And the tools of arts are the same as tools that a young girl needs to succeed in life. Communication, creative thinking, problem solving, making choices, taking risks, learning from mistakes, and building a strong work ethic. And those techniques, that's the same thing you have in math and science, problem solving, creative thinking. So... When girls participate in this, they develop self-esteem and confidence because they can do it. They learn not just about the various art form, but they learn about themselves, the world, the science, the math. And as they learn, their imaginations soar. And when they think of their imaginations, they're thinking steam, not just science, technology, engineering, but arts and math. That's, you know, so that's how I got into this. So walk us through a couple of the subjects that you've been teaching, uh, sometimes working with groups of, I might say, <laughs> two, 200 first, second, and third graders with kindergarten sprinkled in there. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We've done all sorts of projects with this. We've done a project about earth rocks, which is talking about soil, air, water, and animals, and the processes that shape the earth's surface using music, drama, dance, and visual art. We've explored seasonal changes, sun energy, and the water cycle using the folktales of various cultures. We've explored every species does agree adaptation is the key to survival, using math and science, drama, music, 
to focus on animal adaptation and plants and how they interact with the environment in order to survive and how one affects the other. We've explored physical science concepts of force, motion, matter, and energy. We've done a timeline of transportation from the caveman to today. We've explored physical science concepts of force, motion, matter, energy, clean water. We've explored vital neighborhoods, health, wellness, and nutrition. We've built a community garden at a particular school and started to study about pollination and composting and basically all of these things that we have done, the teachers have asked us to do. That's the biggest thing is that we talk to the teachers and see what they need help in studying. And then we create programming about that. So it's really based in, it's not just performance and arts. It really is based in the curriculum. Yes. Everything we do in the schools is always based on curriculum. Right now, curriculum, what what the teachers are looking for is social emotional learning, but we always put science and math in there more so than we put in with, you know, like literature and history. Science and math is, it's what they want in the schools. And we found that some schools won't even let you in if you're just doing art. It's like, no, we have to do curriculum. And so, you know, we always go to the Ohio Department of Education, depending on what grade level we're working on, see what it is that they're teaching, what it is that they're learning, and focus on it. That's what we like to do. Okay. Yamale, have you done repeat residencies, like gone back to, in the 10 years you've been doing this, do you go back to the same school and see the same group of girls or a year later? Or do you go back over and over? Or is it always to a different school? Yes, we we ideally love to have continued and sustained partnerships. So we do go back to schools and also for our summer program, especially because girls can come to the program, whether or not we're partnering with their school. And there's there's girls who come every summer, which I think is so cool that part of their upbringing in their childhood is is coming to the summer experience. And, you know, what I've seen is, I mean, just seeing them grow and get older is just, you know, it never gets old, just how, <laughs> how crazy it is, how fast they grow and how it's just so cool to be part of that evolution. And, you know, oftentimes we find that students are coming to us because of a love for dance. And oftentimes what also happens is that they start to really love the STEM part of the day. And that's really amazing to see that over the years, they grow this confidence. They can talk about the different projects they've worked on. They can talk about the different technology they've learned and really start to like grow an appetite to, to learn more. I think about one of our students who came to us three summers in a row when, you know, initially she would probably just describe herself as a dancer, came to the summer program, and now she's a freshman at Georgia Tech studying computer engineering. And I think there is an impact by having that repeated exposure to the atmosphere we create and everything that she learned that that had an impact on her current trajectory. Right. Robin, you've been in residency at one school in the Cleveland area for 13 years. <laughs> yes, we have. We've been at this one particular school for 13 years. And it's amazing. We've been at this particular school longer than some of the teachers and some of the students. 
So one of the benefits that we see with these residencies when you're not there just once, some places we go, we go in, we do a program, and then we're gone and we never see the kids again. But when we have a residency, we can build relationships, not only with the kids, but with the teachers, the administrators, the kitchen staff, the maintenance staff, the security guards, the families, the communities, everyone, because you're there more than just once. And sometimes, since you're there longer, the kids really remember you. Not only do they remember you when they see your face, they remember what you did. These kids always will remember the original songs that they've written or the original shows that they've performed or the original artwork that they've created. I've had kids come up to me who I had them at that school for maybe eight years because it only goes till eighth grade. And all of a sudden, these kids are in high school. I was in a high school the other day, and some kid who's like a giant came up to me and said, Miss Robin, Miss Robin, remember me? And the kid, you know, when I had him, he was like in kindergarten and first grade. And now he's taller than me. He's a giant. And I looked at him and I said, oh, my goodness. And he started to sing. He started to sing the water cycle song. Oh, my goodness. It's like, oh, my goodness. I've had another, another woman. Well, she's a woman now. But when I had her, she was in high school. She was in arts integration. And this woman, she was a colleague and she was the education director at this local theater company. And she wanted to partner with us. And so I went to have a meeting with her. And, you know, she was very young. She had just graduated from college. And I said to her, you know, how did you get into this? And she said, oh, well, when I was in high school, there was this Native American woman who came to my high school and she was so interesting and she sang and she performed and she taught us about history and information about plants. And I never forgot her. And I thought how arts can make an expression. And that's why she went into arts education at this theater company. And I was in shock. I said, what high school was that? And what year was that? And when she told me, I realized, oh, my goodness, that artist that she saw when she was in high school was me. I'm now thinking of the community garden that you started at that school, Yes, which not only teaches kids the basics of growing plants and growing their own food, but also I think you started it in 2016. And by 2019, you had gone from 150 pounds of free produce to the community Mm-hmm. to over 500. Well, actually, the number now that we have is over 900 pounds of free produce oh. to the community. And it's great because the kids work on the garden. They start, they know how to plant. They know about composting. They know that worms make the soil better. And it's so funny because some of these little girls, I brought worms into the classroom to have them grow worms to put in the soil. And the girls are like, ew, ew I can't touch that. But then I had this one little girl, she said, I'm not scared. And I gave them, you know, plastic gloves. And then all of a sudden, all the girls are touching these worms. And they're thinking, oh, we can feed them some rotten bread. And then we can put them in the garden to make the soil better to grow plants that we can eat. It's so funny because they didn't want to touch these worms. But all of a sudden, they're thinking, I'm touching the worm. I'm not scared. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it, it's really, it's great to see them. And then you know, sometimes girls, they don't want to dig in the dirt. Oh, I'll get dirt under my fingernails. But then we, we, they realized, oh, wait, we can have gardening gloves. Isn't that good? Then we can dig in the dirt. We can plant the seeds. We can harvest. We can weed the plants. It's so interesting how, why is it that girls always say, oh, no, I can't do that. And you have to convince them. 
But once mm. you convince them, you know, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Yamali, I want to ask both of you, uh, how would you suggest our listeners who might be interested in STEM outreach that includes the arts? What What is a good way to start? Oh, can I start? Sure. Okay. I would say that most big arts organizations in your town, wherever you live, they always have an education department. Science museums have education department, art museums, theaters, they all have, you know, they all have education departments. And a lot of those education departments, when they go into the schools or they have just programming for families, it's not just art, you know, like the Cleveland mm-hmm. Museum of Art, when they have programming for families and in schools, it's not just art. Because, you know, artists draw pictures of plants and then it shows the sequence of plant growing, you know, so it's always good to check out arts organizations. And also there's a national organization called Arts for Learning Young Audiences that's all over the country. And they have a lot of artists who do arts integration into the academic curriculum that you could check out. Great. Yamale, for anybody out there listening who might be interested in STEM outreach that includes the arts. How would you suggest they begin? I would suggest identifying initiatives that already exist because oftentimes capacity is limited and and it's great when people reach out and they they're able to contribute. Uh, I think that you know there's the steam is so vast. so i I think. There are people who are doing things in areas of STEAM that probably pique different people's interests. So, you know, what I find is, you know, former or current dancers tend to come towards STEM from dance because they get the mission and they want to be part of it. So and I'm sure that wherever people's interests lie when it comes to STEAM, there may be something that already exists that they can contribute to. And maybe it doesn't exist. That was my experience where I found that there wasn't an organization that was using dance to attract girls to STEM. And so that's also something to consider, too, is is if there is an opportunity to start something if it doesn't exist already. Great. And Yamale, I want to ask about the long-term goal of STEM from dance. What is your long-term goal? I believe it's going global, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Past, Tell us about that. Happy to share more. Over the past decade, what we found is that our approach works. It has an impact, and we want to amplify that impact. Our 10-year goal is to be operating nationally and internationally because I found that this issue of representation is not limited to New York or to the U.S., but so many communities across the world. And what's unique to what we do is is this approach of using dance, but we found that others can deliver this approach too. So we are equipping educators and community-based organizations and institutions to be able to teach our program locally. So we have started that work in a few cities like Atlanta, Tampa, Houston. This upcoming summer will be in 10 cities. And over the next 10 years, plan to really make this so that 
girls across the world can be able to experience this. So we have a goal of serving 10 million black and brown girls over the next 10 years and also investing $10 million into the organization annually. And that's the path that we're embarking on. Oh, that's fantastic. I was looking at your website today and I love those t-shirts that the girls are wearing that say sleep, eat, dance, code, period. <laughs> yes, that's that's what they're going to be doing. Girls on a mission. I love it. Well, I want to thank Yamale to St. Beach and Robin Pease for being here today. Really appreciate your time and your ideas and your inspiration. And for anybody out there who's listening or thinking of doing STEM outreach, follow your curiosity and go to these websites, stemfromdance.org and culturekids.org. That's culture with a K. And you will find a lot of inspiration. Thank you both so much. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Seabright McCabe, contributing writer for SWE Magazine, and this is Diverse. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at SWE Diverse Podcast. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, altogether at altogether.swe.org.